0: Hello and welcome to The A-List, the podcast that asks the world's top advertising professionals how they got started in the business. I'm Tom Chrisman, co-dean at AdHouse Advertising School. Today, we're serving up my conversation with Mr. Kenny Thacker, the founder of 100 Roses from Concrete, a network for men of color in the advertising, marketing, media, and public relations industries. Kenny is also a creative consultant, accomplished writer, director, Documentarian, motivational speaker, and tech guru. He's speaking at the 3% conference, he's judging the next Creative Leaders Awards at the One Club for Creativity, and he continues to be an advocate for diversity and inclusion in the advertising industry. So many great insights in this inspiring episode, but first I have to tell you about our sponsor, Ad House Advertising School. We are finishing up our summer classes, and they're going great. All of our teachers will be back in the fall, myself, my co-dean Paul Fix, George Tannenbaum, Mike Rovner and Soren Younggren, and Matt Lowe and Moni Schlisser. You get 10 weeks of Zoom classes for just 600 bucks. Classes start week of September 14th, and the application is live at adhousenyc.com. Applications are accepted on a first-come, first-served basis, so apply today at adhousenyc.com. And now, my conversation with Mr. Kenny Thacker.
1: I Kenny. Thacker, how are you? I'm good, brother, Tom. Good to see you. Good to see you. Good thing. Thank you for inviting me. Um, oh, my
0: God. I am so excited to talk to you. I, I've been thinking about this, uh, the A-list and how like, you know, it started as like me just, well, it was started as like me trying to do something nice for Lauren Laff for Ad House to get okay. people to go to Ad House, right? And it was mm-hmm. it was mm-hmm. like, meet the people that would be teaching you at AdHouse, the kind of people like the, you know, the real professionals, these aren't like teachers at like other schools where they, they haven't been in the business for 20 years. These are people yeah. that are working uh, and here's people like them. Um, yeah. So it started as just like me sort of being a fanboy of people, oh. but it's turned, into, <laughs> it's turned into bigger. Like I, I want to I help, help young people hear about this business and yeah, be like, oh, there are so many ways to get into it. Um, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. when I think of that, I think of you Because yeah. you've been doing this for so long um, But, Kenny, we, we've known each other since like 2000, probably 9?
1: Yeah, dude, 11 years
0: 11,
1: right. 11 years, bro
0: You were the guy <laughs> saving the day Every time there was a pitch You were mm-hmm. the guy who would come in Yeah uh, And sort of make sure all the technology worked Yeah out. You were the uh, what? What were, you, what were
1: you? You were the technology senior something. senior event technology specialist. There yeah. you go. And we did have technology at JWT. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I will say that. I mean, you know, there's 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 good there's good some good and bad things um, about <laughs> JWT. But one thing that definitely drew me to that place was how ahead they were. Um, on the technology side, sometimes they were too far ahead um towards the end of my time there they were they were too far ahead that they couldn't even understand the technology but um at the time um at least in two thousand and nine like i was I was glad to be able to kind of be one of the first you know maybe a couple hundred people around the country to try out different things and different computers, different Macs, different PCs, different projectors, um, different recording um, devices, things of that nature. So it was cool um, while it lasted. But one thing I was um, telling someone, I was speaking to someone yesterday and I was like, the cool thing about that job was, I mean, obviously, you know, making lifelong friends like with yourself and you know, a bunch of other names, you know, of good friends that we know. But the thing was, while I was saving the day, I was also watching what all of you were doing.
0: Yeah. You were getting a a course in. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So, you know, so all those trips, regardless of where we were going, like the billions of times we went to Seattle (laughs) and, you know, other places, like I, I, I think no one knew that I was paying attention to what, uh, everything that everybody was doing so you know as we fast forward to like 2011 and to now like i'm using all those tools and tricks to the trade and judgment calls because there was a lot of judgment calls you know on those trips yeah um that that you all had to make and sometimes i had to make yeah. um hard calls calls that everyone wouldn't be happy about um insane deadlines being up two three four in the morning walking the streets of um Seattle trying to find the Kinkos, um, you know, stuff like that. But um, I honestly, I, I'm, when I look back, I'm so thankful to have had um, the opportunity to hang out with you guys and, and just, you know, quietly just like listen and learn. And, and even from like the, the people that were over us, right? So, you know, our CEOs and our CCOs and stuff like that, CFOs um right. still being able to kind of just soak that up that's why i always joke with people i was like yeah i have like a phd in in advertising because i learned from like the best and brightest and give or take some of the nicest people yeah yeah, <laughs> um, yeah.
0: well yeah i want to go back to like you know mm-hmm. so you got there you got to that place where you were like i love the, your your how you saw it as like you were you were sort of learning you were doing a crash crash course mm-hmm. there.
1: Uh, but how did you, where did you start? Where did you, where did you grow up? I always like uh, So, the- So I grew up in Washington, D.C., the, the D.C. metropolitan area, D.C., Virginia, Maryland. Then actually during, during my early, early childhood years, I don't know, between like, I don't know, maybe six and 12. Um, we actually lived in Africa for a little while. Mm-hmm. Um, but then unfortunately, um, my grandparents died. Oh. Um, here, here in the States. Um, they actually died a month apart. So we moved back to the States and um, moved back to D.C. And then we were in D.C. for a little bit. And then we moved out to Maryland, to the suburbs of Maryland. So, you know, because yeah. in the 80s, you know, D.C. was nuts. Um, yeah. Like nuts. Well, um, what was it like living in Africa, though? How, how old were you when you moved to Africa? And,
0: and why remember. did you move to Africa?
1: Um, my mom got a job. My mom got a job um, at some... What country? um kenya we lived in kenya for a little while we lived in kenya for a little while um then we lived in malawi we lived in kenya malawi those those are the two places malawi is shaped like jersey but um when i was there um i mean it was it was interesting i mean but i went to like all international schools yeah so like everywhere i went i spoke english and and how old were you uh i think when we moved there i was six and by the time we moved back, I was even like 11 or 12.
0: Wow. So those are really formative years.
1: Yeah. Yeah. There they they were definitely formative years. Um, and I mean, it was interesting, but, but then, so, so this is how this whole me and you talking and ad house kind of come together. I yeah. didn't realize that my mom was a copywriter while we were in Kenya. What was, where was she working as a company? I don't, I have no clue. I have absolutely, maybe it was a JWT because um, <laughs> I know they have offices in Africa. Um, yeah. But but my mom wrote jingles for really? like the radio out there because I remember once going to like a recording session and, you know, just kind of sitting in the recording studio and like some person was reading these lines that my mom made. So when I started ad house, um, whatever 2012 2011 or whatever um and i was sitting there with with pfitty um p fix uh, paul fix (laughs) um um, and and i was sitting there and i was connecting the dots and i was like okay so i'm writing copy and when because paul had us do like a, a radio kind of exercise write a spot for radio
0: yeah
1: and i was like this is really this reminds me of what mom used to do like a billion years ago, but oh yes. So it's crazy how everything just kind of comes for a circle and everything yeah, like that. that but that, mm-hmm.
0: that shows me and you, you mentioned your mom on your website. And it's it shows me that like that is like I you in that room with all that technology and mm-hmm. then and then coming and finding JWT. That's 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 amazing how those things work. Yeah. Out.
1: And I didn't even know. <clears throat> honestly, I didn't even know what JWT was before I got there. I was freelancing at Ogilvy at the time, um, doing the same technology, save the day kind of crap yeah. Um, yeah. that I was doing um, at Ogilvy. But I was a freelancer, so I wasn't like on staff, I was just a freelancer, they called me when they needed me and everything like yeah. that. Shout out to iPatch Productions um, at Ogilvy, if they're even still around. But I got a call one day about you know the same role at JWT and I didn't know what JWT was. So I asked someone, I was like, hey, like this, other advertising company named JWT called me for an interview what do you have you heard of it and the um admin that I was asking at the time she was like oh yeah it's just like here except it's older I was like oh okay cool so <laughs> <laughs> went there on my lunch break um interviewed with my with my boss um that was there my first boss because lord knows by the time I left I had like nine Went really well, I know, at first I interviewed with HR, that went well, interviewed with my boss, we really hit it off. And two weeks later, I'm at Ogilvy. And like, then 13 years years later, um, kind of left, um, to say the least, Um, but you know, learned a lot, met a lot of great people like yourself, um, but definitely learned um, a lot and did not like, did not waste any time that I was there, like not learning per se jwt my time at jwt definitely taught me how to build things on my own yeah. and not really need like a huge um entourage of folks to kind of get things done um and just kind of do do things on my own um never ask for never ask for permission just ask for forgiveness later on yeah. um kind of how to live on my feet um, rather than die on my knees um because you know there was a lot of people that lived on their knees there unfortunately Um, so, I mean, I learned a lot of hard lessons, a lot of good lessons, but like I said before, also met just some really, um, good people. And I'm really thankful for the people that I met and the things I learned. Cause some people, I think even yourself don't know that I was learning things from you. You know what I mean? Um, and so, so I'm, I'm, I'm really appreciative, you know, by the time we had together, there's still a few people there that don't know that. Yeah. Like I kind of took like tidbits and little things here and there.
0: that's, that's a superpower, I think. Mm-hmm, the, the, mm-hmm. the ability to not think about, like, oh, this person, uh, well, I wish I had that job. I, I could see somebody in that position being like, oh, these people are annoying. They're, yeah. they're like, oh, I'm better than that guy. Oh, I'm smarter yeah. than that guy. Yeah. Because you probably were. Uh, <laughs> and, but to turn it around and be like, all right, what can I take from this person? What can mm-hmm. I learn? What can I, oh, that's interesting how you yeah. did that stuff. That's a, good, that's a good lesson for people.
1: Yeah. And also, like, you know, what not to be like right yeah i don't want to be like that guy or right. i don't want to be like that girl like yeah. i just like no one no one respects that person or no yeah. one likes that kind of attitude that or their aura or their vibe just totally throws the whole team off i yeah. don't want to be like that i don't want people waiting on me to get things done i want to be that person that just gets things done yeah. um so that was definitely a big part of just kind of watching and learning and, you know, and seeing people argue and just like, is this really worth arguing over? Like, you know, but also the experience that I had is just shit that you can't learn in the classroom.
0: Right, yeah. No, yeah. a lot of this business is just get in, just yeah. get in. Exactly. That's what, I, that's what I, like when I, when I came back and started working on Ad House with Paul, you know, just getting high school kids to know about this business mm-hmm. and they don't have to be experts at it to get in. They don't have to learn no. anything no. super special. They just have to know that it exists. They have to yeah. know that your mom wrote jingles and they were on a radio mm-hmm. like later on that day. And <laughs> uh, there are people making, you know, of course there are kids making TikTok memes and stuff, but yeah. there are professionals making those TikTok memes too, yeah. thinking yeah. about how can we use that uh idea to to sell things and and those people are making a lot of money doing that yeah yeah and it's like all you got to do is get in and Mm -hmm. sit there and watch because yeah it's
1: not that hard yeah And, and that's the cool thing i guess about living i mean other than the world being absolutely like on fire right now there's just so many different ways now to make money with the use of simple technology you don't have to be this super super master's master's student in marketing and advertising and in business to kind of make millions of dollars anymore. Hmm. That's just not the case cuz these days you have 18 million eight, 18 year olds that are billionaires. Yeah. Right? And they don't have, you know, a college credit to their name.
0: Well, it's interesting to me what's ha- happening now. I saw yesterday that Harvard is going to uh, do all their classes online. Mhm. Uh, But they are not lowering the price from $50,000 a year. Yeah. And I think it's going to create, I think there's going to be like a huge percentage of kids who decide to take this year off.
1: Yeah. And they are going to start doing things in the world. And they are going to make amazing things. Lord knows you and I could probably name a bunch of people that we kind of doubt they even graduated from high school. But yeah. somehow they, they were making a lot of money and they were in big roles and they weren't really that nice. But, but that kind of leads into, unfortunately, what I call the cancer that kind of that infects the, the industry when people get in through connections and, and yeah. nepotism and who you know and things of that nature and not really based on the merit and potential that they have rather they're just based on potential um and that i think really hurts a lot of um organizations and we've seen it you and i have both seen it hurt yeah. organizations by you know someone's someone's homeboy or someone's homegirl just kind of gets ushered in and they give them like this really big title and a whole lot of money and they barely last nine months
0: yeah
1: but then they just they just kind of shuffle on to another big job with and more somehow they money. get it Again, and, and, and somehow and, they get it. And you're like,
0: am I crazy? Because I don't think that person's very talented, but they keep getting those gigs. Yeah. Um, no, that's true. That does happen. And I think those things are, are, are sort of hand in hand, right? Like mm-hmm. the fact that like, you just have to get in. Well, who are you going to let in? Somebody that you know, right? Mm-hmm. Like, So like, that's, I think, where the problem is. We have to let those people in who we don't know and mm-hmm. sit with the discomfort of like, well, I don't really know this person. And I might have a completely different life, uh, life uh, experience from that person. And I don't know how to talk to them. Are they going to think I'm an old weirdo? Are they going to mm-hmm. think I'm a, I'm a nerd? I'm, are they going to like, I think there's a...
1: But just, it's the fear like, of that but, discomfort that, that, that fuels people to, to keep operating that way you were saying earlier. Yeah. It's that fear of that discomfort. Unfortunately, the business has been fueled by people that want to hire people that they, they feel they can have a beer with. Right. And, and I thought it was about getting work done, not thinking about who you can hang out with later. Like, yes. so that's why I get so ticked off when I hear the word cultural fit all the time. I'm like, yes. no, pe- pe- people shouldn't be a cultural fit, they should just be talented and qualified yeah. and hungry and humble and have a hustle about them. That's it.
0: Yeah. Um so where did when you got when you came back from Africa, yeah. Let's mm-hmm. let's continue on that journey. I'm yeah. mm-hmm. back from Africa. Were you yeah. upset
1: about coming back from Africa? Were you like, I want to stay, we do No, even though I'm black and Africa's obviously a black country, but I was still a foreigner. So I was constantly called, you know, American all the time. Yeah. Right. Um because yeah, I'm black, but I don't speak I, I mean, you know, with right. it, you know, I mean, I spoke those languages like I speak Spanish, you know, like I'm not great at Spanish either. Even I mean, I can't say the other black kids because all of them were black in Africa, <laughs> but you know, I was always called a term that was like white person because really? I wasn't I wasn't a native son. I mean, yeah, my ancestors.
0: Yeah. Um so you to, felt like an outsider. That's yeah, so that's so, so I crazy. felt like an
1: outsider. I mean, yeah, the kids like, oh cool, he's from America, he's from America, but right. I'm also not like a native native son like they like their parents were and because their ancestors had actual roots that they could literally trace back. I was always treated a little bit differently. And then yeah. just due to the fact that um I went to an international school. So I was there with like Russian kids and British kids and da-da-da-da-da um and everything like that. And even where we lived was like you know like a private compound and things like that. I mean it's not that fabulous <laughs> like you know a private compound right, right. and but there were walls
0: know, and there was a yeah there was, a, there, was
1: a, there was like the a green. gate and yeah. you know like it was like a private community and things of that right. nature for people that um worked where my mom worked so like and we had like private driver that would take us to school it was like some oh other like crazy yeah. shit as if we were like super rich which we were not so your it, brothers and sisters that were there with you no, no, I don't have any brothers or sisters. Oh, okay. Just, yeah, just so so it's just me, so it's just me and my mom. Yeah, so it's just me and my mom. But during during mom. during our time there, she met my le- my my late stepfather. Um, he was from South Africa, so she met him on like some business trip or whatever. They fell in love, and it was great. And they got married. Um, and he was with us for a little while. Then he passed in um, '92, but he came back with us to the okay. states. Um, and you know he he was cool. Um, but he was still like my stepdad and everything like that so he wasn't like my biological father yeah then then we came back and you know kind of i think i came back in sixth grade and then you know we moved to the burbs and did junior high school went to martin luther king junior high school and then went to high school seneca valley high school um so those then, are public schools now yeah but those are public schools yeah here, well, here in here what in was the that like
0: what did you take from your from your private school from your international school experience yeah. did you learn anything that you brought in or was no
1: i didn't bring in nothing (laughs) i was too young
0: (laughs) yeah you were like i (laughs) I was
1: like i was just like happy to be back and everything like that yeah just 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 trying to be normal and and that 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 took some adjustment but you know it it happened and because like when i when i was in africa like i missed tv and things of that nature so i so i had to play like a quick like i had to play like quick catch up to everything. But one 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 cool thing that my grandma used to do was my grandma used to send me break dancing um, mixtapes. Yeah. Um, so, this and the break dancing era. Yeah, in the break dancing era. And then she used to send me like break dancing, like manuals and how to break dance and how to backspin and how to do the robot and all this other crazy stuff. So she used to send me all that stuff to kind of still keep me up to date what was going on. Um, Can you still States do those moves, was, Kenny? Uh, on, 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 on probably this amount of vodka probably it, it, it may, it may come out. It may come out. It, it may come out. Um, luckily none of my friends are getting married anymore. So that doesn't right. come out during okay. the day. You're not going to yeah.
0: be in the, if, if there's a circle of people, you're going to, you're going to feel the, the I, I the... may
1: feel Tim like, Ooh, <laughs> 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 like, Oh, it's my time. It's my time. I'm going to jump over my leg. Um, you know, so you some, of my, some of my moves you know, because, yeah, I gotta blame Grandma for that because that's one thing that um, I definitely was into throughout high school because Lord knows I wasn't an athlete. Um, but like I was a very I was a very big like hip hop dancer. So if you remember, yeah. like like rap groups used to have like the rapper and then like the two dancers like in the background. Yeah. So I was very big into that. So I was you big to flip flip flipping flipping people, you know, over my back, jumping over people's heads. Like, I was a big um, hip-hop dancer um, back in the day. But then after a while, after my body just got tired, I was like, oh, well, well maybe I can rap. Um, So I even dibble-dabbled in in writing rhymes and everything like that, recording a song or two, doing a a few shows. Um, But then mid-'90s, these two rappers came out, one by the name of Tupac and the other by the name of Biggie Smalls. And I was like, okay, this is it for me. (laughs) <laughs> they're very they're very good at this um they should do this professionally they, they they should do this professionally i am yeah. not going to do this i'm going to go to college yeah <laughs> so, where so, that's what to college? Where, so where did you go to college where did you where did you decide to go so i went to um, lincoln university of the commonwealth of pennsylvania is actually the very first historically black college wow um so i just needed that um it was, a, it, was a, it was a bittersweet experience, but it was an, an amazing experience. Um, just the historically black college experience alone is just um, amazing, just due to the fact that I went to very, mm, probably predominantly white high school, predominantly white junior high school, even though my junior high school was named Martin Luther King Junior High School, but it was still like probably predominantly white. Um, right. But I just needed like this concentrated time of like my culture yeah. um, per se. And that's what I had at Lincoln. And just due to the fact that it did have a historical, um, kind of sense to it due to the fact yeah. that it was the first historically black college. Um, and I've kind of find my, found myself in those similar environments when we fast forward like into the future. Like, you know, I went to the first historically black college. I worked at the very first advertising. You know, I do a, a lot of things yeah. that are like these first type of things. Um, yeah. So... J-WT, Lincoln,
0: being, JWT being the very first ad. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: yeah. Yeah. yeah, so, so um, I find myself drawn to places that have, like, really strong histories and, and, you know, things that you can look up and see who worked there, things that that nature or who taught there. So, like, for instance, um, I don't even know what year it were, was, but Albert Einstein visited Lincoln University when he was alive and oh, like, wow. taught a course. So there's a, there's a photo, like, kind of floating around online, and it's Albert Einstein teaching a room full of Black men. It's wow. incredible. And, but I'm proud to say that I went there. Just being there, I felt at home. I just, I just felt at home and I learned a lot and I met a lot of some of my best friends um, in life as well. Um, so it was cool, man. Um, got out of Lincoln in 1998, um, came back. Unfortunately, a lot of my friends didn't graduate, were on the five-year plan. Yeah. <laughs> so I was like one of few of the one, one of very few of my crew that graduated um, on time. What did, but what did you major in? Um, I majored in education. Okay. So that's how everything starts to kind of make sense as we, you know, tumble through the next um, like 10, 10, 12 years is that I majored in education. So I didn't even major in like, I didn't major in what I was like contracted to do at JWT. I didn't major in technology. I never right. went to like an IT. I was never a computer science major or anything like that at all. Um, it was simply just like kind of stumbling onto different, um, jobs that kind of got me into technology because as soon as I got out of school, like, I was like, oh, what am I going to do? I don't know. Um, we, we had briefly moved to New Jersey, um, for, for a little while. while my mom's still there, but, um, I didn't know what to do. I was like, I got this degree. Um, I don't know anyone in the educational system in New Jersey. i like, how am I even going to get a job? So the first job I actually had was, um, I was like the over, that was like the midnight shift. Um, like, I don't know, watchman for a juvenile delinquent home. Are you thinking like, I have a dream. I'm, you know, I'm,
0: my, my dream is to educate. My dream is to be a writer. My dream um, is to- my
1: dream was, <laughs> a break. My, my, I didn't have a dream. I had a nightmare because I was like, fuck, my student loans are, payments are coming up. <laughs> right. Yeah. So. Reality so, comes in quick. Yeah. Reality came in super fast. So I was like, man, these student loans are due like, a, well, I have to start paying in November. What am I going to do? This job pays me dirt, dirt money. So the crazy thing, I was telling my daughter this story the other day. So basically what I did was I actually got a second job um, and I had a second job working at Tommy Hilfiger because there was a Tommy Hilfiger outlet store near my house. So during the day I would slang polos (laughs) and khakis (laughs) that at night um, I was, um, I was, was, you know, watching over juvenile delinquents, making sure they don't kill each other in their sleep. Um, That, honestly, Tom was probably the most miserable time in my life because yes. I would work from at night. I worked from 11 to seven and then I would go home, sleep for maybe two hours. Then by 10, I'm at Tommy Hilfiger from like 10 to four, go home, sleep until maybe around nine thirty. take a quick shower, then drive to the, oh. the juvenile. And I did that for maybe, maybe three months and then, or yeah. maybe two months. Um, and then I just, I couldn't do the juvenile delinquent place. They're treating me like I was like, I had a rap sheet. Yeah. 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 Cause of one tattoo. Um, okay. and I was like, you know, forget this. So I stayed at Tommy Hilfiger a little bit longer. Um, but during that time I met someone that was running like an event technology department, um, in a hotel. And he was like, "Hey, because me and this guy—he—he he was like a part timer. I was a full timer. But we got to talking because um, we got to talking—we got to talking about music. Because I used to—I used to. Oh, so on top of hip hop dancing, rapping, which I stopped when Biggie and Tupac came on the scene in yeah. college. I, since I was in college and I stopped rapping, I got into DJing. So I DJed a lot in in there college. It is.
0: That's <clears> the connection."
1: Yeah, so, so I DJed a lot in college. And then one summer um, during my college years, I interned at my mom's office in the IT department. So all these different experiences, all these different skills that I had, on top of the education thing with the degree, which I paid for, um, yeah. I got to talking with my friend Maceo at the time, or Mace for short. And we got to talk about hip hop music all the time and everything like that. And then I was like, yeah, and you know, I spent like a summer in an IT department. Da da, da 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 He was like, well, have you ever thought about marrying the technology that you use, like when you make music or when you DJ and the IT stuff that you learned that summer? I was like, no, nah, not really. I was like, what is that? He's like, it's called audiovisual, and it's called event technology. I was like, huh? Yeah. I didn't know this. I was like, like, I was like is that like a job, like a career type thing? He's like, yeah, I run this department in this Hilton hotel. He's like, won't you come and check it out one day? I was like, all right, sure. So I see like mixing boards and lighting and like projectors and all this other stuff. I'm like, Hmm he was like would you be interested in working here i was like oh, i don't know uh, i don't know he's like oh i'll pay you this much and you know at the time you know in the in the late 90s i was like oh, well this is way more than what i'm making at tommy hill figure yeah a billion times more than i was making at the stupid um juvenile center so i started there just like when my student loan payment starting to started to be due so i could actually pay yeah. the first payment on time and i was like, oh wow Um, but I stayed on and I stayed with that company for about six years. Um, and I, but I worked in their Jersey offices and after a while I had my own office and branch that I was running. I was running two branches at the time doing big, um, conventions and, and conferences and things of that nature. I had a team of people working for me and everything like that. Um, you know, we, I did okay. And then I transferred to New York. Um, And I I worked out of Midtown and everything like that and still did like big, big type of conferences and things of that nature. I remember um, once, you know, one of the things we produced, like Whitney Houston was there. um, Once, um, I think Hillary Clinton was trying to run for president at time or whatever. (laughs) One of the many times. Yeah, I passed Hillary in the hallway. Um, One day I passed Marissa Torme in the hallway. Um, And then I just got sick of it um, after like, six years and I kind of took a break um yeah. I took a hard break and I just started like thinking like what's next for me so I actually became a motivational speaker for a little while um because I'm so motivated
0: um. <laughs> well, where did that come from did that come, you are motivating? did that come from watching others do it when you um, read, yeah yeah system? yeah
1: yeah it, it came from I don't think it necessarily came from watching others because I was always like a leader, right? So even when yeah. I was in t- well, even when I was in college, um, I would lead like those tours. You know, you always see those tours of right, kids like, yeah, I was a tour guide, and I actually ended up like managing the tour guides. So I would have like people do the tours, and I would just like kind of sell the school the students, um, Where did like. You-
0: where did you learn that? So like you, you've been a mentor. I see, like I've been reading all these blogs. I read this blog post about you from this kid who uh, you mentored uh, and, and you just seem like a natural mentor to so uh-huh. many people. And uh-huh. I, I see you do it. And I'm, uh-huh. I'm amazed at your, your ability to, to, to run the room, but also to, to just connect with people and to uh-huh. really take care of them. You, you seem yeah. to care mm mm-hmm. Um, so wh- how, where does that come from? Where did you learn that? Um it's the leadership.
1: It, it's it's very it's 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 it, you're gonna laugh. Um I mean, not that you haven't been laughing already. I learned how to be a good mentor from having a bad mentor.
0: That can teach you things.
1: And it and no disrespect to this guy because he tried his best. Um, but I had a mentor in high school. Yeah. Um he was actually a friend of mine's dad. However, He never spent any time with me. (laughs) Yeah, right? But I will tell him this. I will, and I have to thank him for this. Um, The cool thing about him was he bought me tickets to the best concerts (laughs) in the 90s, right? So you name the hip-hop act, Tom, I've seen them. Like, I saw Naughty by Nature sing Hip Hop Hooray for probably the first time. Wow. And seeing the crowd just go nuts. Because, you know, it's, hey, yeah. ho. um It was, like, this big hip-hop tour. And, like, That's one nice. of the acts was Queen Latifah. But Queen Latifah, Naughty by Nature, was a part of Queen Latifah's, like, flavor unit, like, yeah. crew. And she was like, yeah, I got my guys. Oh, you know, oh, you okay. know their hit song, OPP. But they got a new song. It's called Hip Hop Parade. So this is what we're going to do. When they say A-O, hands going from side to side. <laughs> and... <laughs> And this was the, back in
0: the day when you had to explain exactly yeah, what we were going to do during this yeah, song.
1: Yeah, but the <laughs> way the crowd just like exploded thats amazing. when Hip Hop Parade came on. Yeah. And I was like, this song is going to be huge. You thought yeah. OPP was huge, you know? Yeah. Um, so even though my mentor never really spent time with me, never really got to know me, but he did it. He's like... He's like, so what are you into? And I was like, you know, I'm into hip-hop. I write rhymes and stuff like that. Um, he was like, oh, cool. He was like, D- would you be interested in going to a concert? I was like, yeah. And But little did I know that he would buy me the tickets, drop me off, and then pick me up. <laughs> you had like an absentee
0: dad mentor.
1: Yeah, and then and then like my stepdad died, and like he didn't know how to really – like, yeah, take care of me, um, or just consult, console me period. So, um, he just wasn't that great. So (laughs) I had, so I had a teacher there that, um, worked with gifted and talented, um, minority students in my predominantly white high school. Her name was Mrs. Smith. And I would say more than anything, she was more like my mentor. Um, because, she just, she would listen and she would spend time, you know, I spent time with her family. Um, when, when my step, when my stepdad died, like she immediately drove over. I spoke to her on the phone. Um, I mean, Miss Smith has, I mean, Miss Smith is like my second mom, pretty much. Um, I love her to death. I mean, Miss Smith came to my college graduation. Um, I call her every mother's day. I check on her every couple months. I mean, she's beyond retired now, but, If anything, I would say I learned how to be a good mentor from Miss Smith than anything else because she sees the good in people. And one thing I remember once, um, Laura Agostini said about me, um, when I was receiving one of my first awards in advertising, she was like, Kenny sees the good in people before they see the goods in themselves. But I got that from Miss Smith.
0: How do you, how do you see the good in people?
1: What, what, What is the trick? It's, it's honestly, it's those, it's these, like these four H's that I kind of live by that I've, I've, I've applied to my life probably of, of the last couple of years is that, you know, it's that humbleness, it's that hunger, it's that hustle, and it's that humility um, at the end of the day. I think if you have those four things, you just can't go wrong. Um, thinking that the world owes you something, you're just not going to get far yeah. at all. Um, but, you know, if you have that hustle, you have that hunger, about yourself, always wanting more, never really having a checkered flag um, in your sights ever, because Mm -hmm. just keep doing great stuff and keep going, keep doing great stuff and keep going, and keep doing great stuff and keep going. Um, Mm -hmm. That's what really propels you um, to just be great at the end of the day. I I I think by not having that checkered flag and having those four H's that I mentioned before, like that's really what, what gets you there. At least that's what's gotten me there. Um, because if, if you are constantly like just looking for that checkered flag, then what do you do after you get it? Yeah. Or if you don't get it, what do you, and then if you don't, and then if you don't get it, you're hating yourself. Yeah. Right. So, so it's just like, kind of take the, take the checkered flag out of the race and keep running, keep training. Um, the brain is a muscle just like anything else. And, yeah. and that's how we all get better. And if you don't wanna use it, then yeah, you're gonna have muscle, muscle atrophy and all that other stuff. But the one thing that if you don't use your brain, you're not gonna really have that uh, muscle memory that you think you have when you try to eventually like, oh, well now I think I'm gonna get back to this. Like, right? no, um, you gotta kind of strike when the iron's hot and find the opportunities and align yourself with great people um, when you have those opportunities. And that's how things like the young Commodores was born. Um, yeah.
0: Yeah, so you, I want to I just, because I know we only have about 10 minutes left, but yeah. uh, mm-hmm. I want to talk about Young Commodores and all those mm-hmm. things. And, yeah. and you know what? I want to talk about 100 Roses from Concrete. Yeah, that, yeah, I, yeah. That's super Yeah, it's going to be right hard now.
1: to squeeze into 10 minutes, but we're going to have to try our best. <laughs> sorry, sorry.
0: Uh, let, let's talk about 100 Roses from Concrete and what it yeah, is man. and how we can- Yeah,
1: yeah. So- Yeah, so 100 Rows from Concrete um, came on like my victory lap um, at JWT or when it was already one WT at the time, but it came definitely during my victory lap when I was just kind of done with that place and like ready to move on with my life. Um, Mm -hmm. However, one thing I noticed was that, you know, seeing things like, you know, She Runs It and Advertising Women of NY, 3% Conference and all that, and all these really great kind Mm -hmm. of um, organizations for, to build women up and things of that nature. I was like, wow, that's really great. Um, however, I never really saw anything from men of color um, mm. in advertising, the few of us that there are, right? Mm. Um, and I was like, how do I think I want to build a network for men of color in advertising where they can simply connect, collaborate, and grow? And that's was pretty much like the manifesto and the philosophy of the group and i had my first meeting in november last year um yeah maybe november last year i had my first meeting um it was about a room of like 20 to 25 guys but there wasn't an empty seat in the room yeah and the consensus that i got from from the new members was that I've been looking for this my entire career. And there were guys in there that were like 10 to 15 years, over 15 years in the business. It was like, there's never just been a place where I can be me and not feel like the elephant in the room. Right. So I was like- to have that conversation. Yeah, and not even have that conversation, but more have conversations that we can all relate to.
0: Yeah. Right?
1: Um, so, in, so providing that, I hate to really use this word sometimes, but providing that safe space- yeah. was something that I saw the gentleman really appreciate and but I appreciated just being in that space too and in that moment so I knew there they had to be greater things that we could do so we started I started thinking about different projects we could do we did a book drive early in December I was like I want us to raise since we're called 100 rows from concrete yeah we only have about 25 30 members but I want us to raise 100 books in 31 days and in 31 days, we raised over 131 books.
0: What do you mean, raised books? So,
1: so, so, so basic, so we did a book drive and, and, and people donated books to, okay. to the organization. And um, there were books that were about advertising, there were books about just how to help you be a better professional, there were books to help you just be a better human being. Those were yeah. the only requirements in the book. So, I had. Tons of books back when I had a desk um, at, the, at the place where I used to work at the time. People were just sending me books left and right from all around the country. People yeah. were coming to my home and bringing books. So wow. we just had all these books. So I ended up taking all the books to the New York College of Technology, and we created a library for them. Wow. So never in my wildest dreams, Tom, would I say, yeah, I have a library at a university. <laughs> um And, you know, back then, back then, you know, I was, I was 44. Um, But like never would my, in my wildest dream, what I say, you know, I have a library somewhere and I'm going to keep building that library every single year and building it up with more and more books. So we did that. And then we, then we gave out free headshots to anyone in the industry that just needed a free headshot. Cause I have a, I have a really cool friend. That's a great photographer and he volunteered his services and we kind of just sent out an email or uh, text whatever to all the social media channels and they say, hey, you know, we're 100 Roses. We're giving out free headshots. Come through to this address. Let's make it happen. So I think we had about 40 people come through that day because I also hate um, selfies on LinkedIn. Um, So I was like, come get a free headshot. So people came in and got a free headshot. And, you know, we talked to the people and told them about 100 Roses. things, And we opened it up to women and men. It wasn't just like guys coming through. It was for women and men. Um, and then we even taught two classes at the Manhattan Early College of Advertising. I brought some of my guys through and and we did some Q&A with the students. We taught two classes. And then COVID hit. COVID hit, and I'm going to try to make this story really fast, but COVID hit. Um, I knew that this was the first summer without the Young Commodores program that I successfully ran for three years out of JWT. And I knew that by all these agencies canceling internships left and right literally left and right Uh, actually all around let's just say all around um i knew that that was going to put a big gap in these young people's um experience right and access to the industry and their experience and them gaining that network right so there's a whole lot of different factors that would be totally washed away because of covid so i was like Well, when I was doing Young Commodores, I always wanted to do it virtually. And it was something that I brought up, but kind of ignored um, about it. it, Yeah. But I was like, because I wanted, because Young Commodores was strictly New York based. It was New York to the heart, you know. Um, But I wanted to expand it by being virtual and being able to invite young people from all over the country. Or world. Or world. So, COVID presented that possibility. And yeah. I brought the idea to my guys. Um, and I said, hey, this COVID shit is fucking crazy. <laughs> I was like, this is crazy. I was like, but these agencies, they're, they're not acting right, right? Yeah.' I was like, I want to basically create Young Commodores like 5.0 on steroids. Yeah. I was like, I want us to do a national program. It's gonna be virtual. We will have moderators. We will have clients. Like, we're going to do this. I was yeah. like, and if you're not down, it's okay. You're still a part of the organization. Yeah. Um, they were like, let's do this. Yeah. And literally, Tom, that was the end of March. By April 15th, we launched, um, we launched it. We opened up applications. By May 15th, we had 130 applications. Wow. Once again, this is an independent organization. I'm not a part of any lettered organization, JWT, right. BBDO, GBW, you know, the whole alphabet soup, right? Yeah. It's just me and yeah. my guys. Yeah. Um, but somehow we got, we got a lot of love. We, we got yeah. a lot of love. and But I told the guys before we launched, I was like, the only way this is, because go- I mean, and I think that's the beautiful thing about 100 Roses is that everyone's from advertising, marketing, media, and PR. So yeah. they know what to do to launch something, right? And I was like, look, the only way this is gonna be successful if we promote the living shit out of this. Yeah. Like literally, like I want videos, I want artwork, I want tweets, I want LinkedIn posts, I want Facebook posts, whatever, (laughs) I want it all. I was like, and we need to do it like almost every day. We need to be like annoying with this.
0: (laughs) and where can people go if they want to let's promote the the shit out of it right now where yeah.
1: can we? go to help yeah roses from concrete.com roses from rows from concrete.com so i explained to them that you know we're going to have these teams and within these teams they're going to learn like the abc's about the about the industry but then we're also we're also going to get them clients i pitched 4 nonprofit clients got them all clients. So now they're managing four clients. These 53 young people are split into teams. They're into four teams and each team has their own client that they're working on right now. They just did a um, creative tissue session last night, killed it. Um, Can you tell us who the clients are? Yeah, yeah, totally. Um, so they're working with um, an organization called RAISE mm-hmm. and it's, it's an organization that helps restaurant workers um, in regards to discrimination, um, Um, helping them make more money, things of that nature, Um, harassment on um, uh, in the restaurant world. People don't know a lot about there's a lot of harassment and a lot of mistreatment of people um, in the restaurant world. So that's what RAISE does. Then we also have Connect and Why that deals with um, survivors of domestic violence, male and female. Um, and then we are also working with an organization called City Living New York, which helps young people who are aging out of foster care. Um, and then the last organization that we are working with is called Live Light Live Right, which is an, which is a child obesity clinic out of Brooklyn that helps um, young teenagers um, dealing and young children, period, dealing with um, child obesity um, out in Brooklyn. So all these clients are universes apart, but all are doing incredible things to help our communities. Regardless of what your ethnic background or sexual orientation is, there's something in there that probably talks to people that you know. Um, but I'm just going to keep doing that, and whether it's working with companies to kind of give their um, give their diversity and inclusion efforts um, a shot of um, adrenaline, that's what I'm going to yeah. do. Um, I I I really I was I tweeted yesterday that I really love now in the position that I'm in to have these really hard conversations with CEOs and CCOs and be like, yeah, your culture fucking sucks, dude. Um, and you need to fix this or you're not going to see another, whatever, hundred years of your agency being around or another 10 years of your small agency, um, being around. Like I really enjoy, um, having their ear and them taking seriously what I'm saying. So like whether it's running, running a hundred roses or it's running my consultant, my consultant kind of biz right now. Like it's, it's definitely, um, been a great journey, but honestly, Tom, it wouldn't happen. It wouldn't have happened if I wasn't that fly on the wall. I think one thing people didn't know was that one, I was learning. And one day I was going to take this shit to the next level.
0: I think you are an inspiration, and uh, <laughs> you've got me so fired up right now. I need to go do shit and make it. Well, yeah, that that was great, and I feel I feel like a lot of people can get a lot out of out of mm-hmm. what you said. And there's so many lessons to be learned in that. Uh, mm-hmm. I I can't wait to uh, to get this out and have people hear it.
1: Yeah. Yeah, man. I mean, thank you for for inviting me. Thank you for putting me on a list. Oh, (laughs) (laughs) nah. Thank you, Tom. I really appreciate you having me, you know, tell my story.
0: So that was my talk with Kenny. Uh, What a great guy. I love that guy. Um, You can catch him uh, at 100rosesfromconcrete.com. Help them out. Or kennythacker.com. That's K-E-N-I thackercom I'm Tom Chrisman. Uh, I'm available for creative projects at tomchrisman.net. And the A-list is sponsored by adhousenyc.com. Classes are starting week of September 14th, so get those applications in. Thanks to Duotone Audio Group for the music. Thanks to you all for listening. If you liked what you heard today, you can help us out by sharing this episode on social media, subscribing on SoundCloud, or rating us wherever you listen to your podcasts. Have a great day, and please wear a mask. Peace.